This is episode 146. Smarter Parenting welcomes you to our podcast series, The Parenting Coach for ADHD. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Siope Kinikini. Well, hello, my friends. How are you? I hope you're doing well. Thank you for joining me today on the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Siope. I am so excited about what we will be talking about today because we are going to be talking about diagnoses and some of the pratfalls that parents fall into when they're seeking a diagnosis, the limitation of diagnoses for ADHD, and really some of the things that you need to do in order to help your child. Because diagnosis is helpful, yeah, of course, but there are some limitations to it. Now, during this podcast, I want to talk about the diagnoses, getting the diagnoses after trying to figure out why your child behaves a certain way. That's the first thing I want to talk about. You get the diagnoses, and then what? The second thing I want to cover is why a diagnosis can be problematic. And then the third thing is the focus that you need to have on the behaviors, the behaviors that your child is exhibiting. Now, this podcast came in part because of a communication I had with a mother, Shauna, and her son, Dylan, who is five. Now, Shauna went to a lot of effort to help her son, Dylan. Dylan would act out and he would behave in ways that made her wonder, why is he doing this? What is happening? Something is wrong with my child. So she would take him to pediatricians and address these issues. And it took a while for her to find somebody she felt comfortable with. And what she found was that most pediatricians explained away the behaviors as, well, he's just developing. This is a natural part of his progression as a child developing. He's going to misbehave. These are natural behaviors. He's just learning about the world around him. And yet the behaviors tended to escalate, according to Shauna. And she really struggled. You know, what am I doing? doing in order to help my child learn how to behave more normally. And I use normally in quotations because what is actual normal, but in a way that was equal to the peers that he had. And so she took him to a pediatrician she felt comfortable with, and they started to discuss diagnoses. What's going on with your child? Why is he behaving this way? Based off of other children of the same age, does your child exhibit something different? Well, the pediatrician did eventually diagnose Dylan with ADHD. After months and months and even a year of trying to find answers to what was going on with Dylan, she finally had the diagnosis. Initially felt great about it because finally she could label what was happening with her child. The only problem was is after the diagnosis, she was left with, okay, now what? Now what do I do? I mean, I know he has ADHD. We can focus in some of the treatment into addressing some of these behaviors, but what are we going to do now? What do I do now? And I found that this is very typical of a lot of parents who are trying so desperately to find out why their children are behaving a certain way, seeking out professional advice, finally getting a diagnosis, and then they're left with, okay, now I know what it is, but that hasn't changed anything, right? That hasn't really changed his behavior. We just know what's behind it. 
It's not uncommon for a lot of parents to feel this way after receiving a diagnosis for their child. They receive the diagnosis and they're left wondering, okay, now the real work begins because we know what it is. Now we have to implement a lot of new things. So I expressed to Shauna that this is very typical. A lot of parents feel the exact same way. They struggle, struggle, trying to figure out why. Once they understand why, it still doesn't resolve the behaviors that they're seeing. And so we started to talk about the diagnosis. Why is the diagnosis problematic at times? Now, the diagnostic label does not tell us how to support the child. It gives us some parameters about why the behaviors are occurring, but it doesn't necessarily say this is what you do, this is how you're going to interact with your child. It doesn't help you know exactly what the road path is going to look like. It gives you some broad parameters on what you can do and what has been done in the past, but then the real grunt work is still left up to the parents to decide, okay, this is the area where we're going to spend our time and focus, or if we're going to try something completely different. So the diagnosis can act as a signpost. It can tell you what it is, but it doesn't really provide details on the journey that you are going to have to take in order to address the needs of your child. Now, in some cases, a diagnostic label can become a barrier to providing support for your child. Now, let me explain what this means exactly, okay? Once you do receive a diagnostic label, so ADHD in our situation with Shauna and her son, what happens at that point is we start to narrow down intervention techniques that are used by other professionals with children who have ADHD. But the problem with that is that when you are looking at a diagnosis, you're looking at a lot of different symptoms that exist together in order to come up with a diagnosis. And usually what the symptoms are, they are extremes of the behaviors. So if we take somebody with ADHD, for example, we will focus on hyperactivity, impulsivity, their inability to focus, and we are measuring those based off of extremes in order to come up with a diagnosis. Now, once we gather those symptoms and we categorize them under the umbrella of ADHD, we then have this idea of, okay, this is what we're dealing with. The problem with that, though, is that children and adults don't manifest all those symptoms equally. So you may have a child that is very hyperactive, but not as impulsive, or you may have a, a very impulsive child with lower bits of, with less hyperactivity. It doesn't manifest equally. Now, this is where I think the autism group, people dealing with children with autism, are doing a wonderful job because they have been able to revisit and work through the differences of these symptoms in order to categorize them more effectively. Under ADHD, you are almost tunneled into this perception of what an ADHD child should look like. And in fact, if you ask a lot of people who are unfamiliar with ADHD, they have this perception of what it should look like. However, people with ADHD exhibit symptoms at varying degrees 
it exists on a spectrum. And so what you think may be working for a child with super hyperactivity, for example, if your child doesn't show that part of ADHD, that won't necessarily be helpful. So there are a lot of things to consider here, but having the label, the diagnostic label of ADHD does help us understand there's a signpost, that there's work to do. It, again, like I said, it doesn't provide the pathway or the journey that you are going to need to take in order to help your child. Stereotypes, assumptions about what we need to focus on sometimes hinder what it is that your child actually needs. And it can be very frustrating for parents because they'll be led by this idea that this is what my child needs because this is what everybody is doing. And yet the child's behaviors don't necessarily fit what the treatment is asking them to do. So that's why it's very important that parents take the time to evaluate the behaviors that are happening with their children and address those behaviors with skills that guide them along this journey of dealing with the diagnostic label, in this case, ADHD. It can be a little confusing for some parents, but what I do want you to understand as a parent is that when you are searching so hard to understand your child's behaviors and you finally come up with the diagnostic criteria, and it's official, my child has ADHD, that really the journey begins at that moment because now you're left with figuring out, okay, now where do I go and what do I do in order to meet my child's needs? And while the signpost can say ADHD, there's a lot of stereotypes and misconceptions about how that manifests that may influence your ability to help your child. And this goes for professionals as well. Sometimes professionals will receive the diagnoses from a pediatrician and say, well, okay, your child has ADHD. This is the modality that we should use. Let's focus on this. Without really taking into consideration the severity of the symptoms and really evaluating what are the needs of my child. Do they exhibit these things in equal measure or do they exhibit hyperactivity or inattentiveness in different ways that we can address in alternative ways? When I was speaking with Shauna about this topic, you know, she understood exactly what I was talking about. It resonated with her because after she received the diagnosis that her son had ADHD, she was ecstatic when she left the doctor's office, but on the drive home, her mind started racing, thinking, okay, well, now that we know what it is, that really hasn't changed his behavior because he's still acting out. So what do I do now? And in working through a plan, she picked up all the books that she needed to read, workbooks. She watched videos about ADHD to try and understand ADHD. And what she came away with was this idea of it is so scattered, there are so many different avenues that she could explore that she really struggled. And many of them, you know, said, hey, this is what you need to do with a child with ADHD. And she felt invisible. She felt like her child was invisible because their needs were slightly different. You know, as far as inattentiveness, he didn't struggle so much with inattentiveness. Her son needed more uh, focus on hyperactivity and impulsivity. 
And so as I was speaking with Sean, I said, okay, let's just focus on the behaviors right now. Let's focus on the behaviors. The ADHD diagnosis is helpful because it gives us an idea of how the brain is working, what is happening. But let's focus on what behaviors he's exhibiting at this moment, and then let's address the behavior. And this approach made more sense to Shauna. She was able to sit down and say, okay, this is what he is doing He is arguing with me consistently about doing chores and about doing work around the house. And we were able to list those down, he argues, and then we were able to break it down even further. So in what ways does he disagree? Does he yell? Does he scream? Does he bring up points? Does he present a PowerPoint presentation? I've seen some kids do that, which is hilarious. They'll come up with a presentation to negate or debate with their parents. So in what ways is the behavior being exhibited? And then in what ways can we use their strengths in order to address those negative behaviors? Now, the skill that I want you as parents to walk away with today, and I want you to use, is to use the SODAS method. It's a decision-making skill on the Smarter Parenting website. The SODAS method will guide you as a parent in ways that you can engage and interact regarding the behaviors that your child is exhibiting. With Shauna, I taught her the SODAS method and uh, had her work it out in her mind beforehand before presenting it to her son and then working on it with her son. Now, I'm going to explain the SODAS method for those of you who are new And if you are an old listener or somebody who has listened before, you already know the SODAS method. There's a video format that you can find on the Smarter Parenting website that has an explanation of what SODAS is. This decision-making skill is so effective for a lot of parents because it takes away the emotional part of what you're trying to do and really just makes you focus in on ways that things will work out for the best based off of your own values and based off of the values of your child. Here are the steps to the SODAS method. Now, SODAS is an acronym, S-O-D-A-S, acronym. The first S stands for situation. So you're going to define a situation where there is a problem behavior or you want to describe the problem behavior in the situation. The O of SODAS, S-O-D-A-S, the O stands for options. So you're going to list down three different options that you can do in order to react to the situation, whatever they may be. So you have your option one, option two, and option three. Once you list down the options, You'll move down to the next step, which is the D of SODAs. The D stands for disadvantages. Under each of the options, you will list down as many disadvantages to that option as you can think of. What are disadvantages if you do option one? What are disadvantages to option two? What are disadvantages to option three? Once you've listed down all the disadvantages to each of those options, those three different options, you're going to move to the next step, which is the A, which is advantages. So you are now going to list what are the advantages of 
going with option number one, what are the advantages of going with option number two, and the advantages of going with option number three. You're going to list as many advantages as you possibly can under each of those options. Now, once you have come to this point, you have your situation, you have your options, you have your disadvantages for each of those options, and then you have your advantages for each of those options. You are going to look at the disadvantages and the advantages. You're going to pick out which ones don't work, which, which disadvantages are the worst and don't seem to, to work well. Then you're going to look at your advantages and see which one seems to work the best. Based off of your evaluation of disadvantages and advantages, you will come up with a solution. And the solution may be option number one, option number two, or option number three. Then you will list that as the final step of SODAS, S-O-D-A-S, which is solution. So your solution will be that option. Now, going through this process is very helpful for a lot of people because they tend to be reactive and emotionally charged when they're making decisions about how to help their children. Taking a step back and really letting your brain function and work and process this information is far more effective than reacting emotionally to every situation. So using the SOTAS method helps you know exactly what you should do, but it also helps you evaluate what are the values behind what I do and why will this work and why will this not work, working through those different options advantages, disadvantages, you're going to be able to find a clear winner in there. Now, there are times that you will be faced with a situation where the disadvantages don't seem to be that great or the advantages don't seem to be as motivating. If that is the case, you need to change the options. If you change around the options, you're going to find more disadvantages and advantages by evaluating if the option is slightly different. So just change an option in there and then go through the steps again. Now with Shauna, we went through this process in regards to the behavior for her son and arguing. So the situation was Shauna has a son who argues with her. What are her options? Number one was to listen to his arguments. Number two was to override his arguments and just make him do it by yelling and screaming and, and taking away things. And then the third option that she had was to sit down and work through it with him. What are the things that they could do in order to reach a mutual agreement? Now, while we were doing disadvantages, advantages, it became clear that number three was not going to work with her because he would be distracted. And even though it sounded good where she would sit down and they would have this conversation and work it through, after she listed the disadvantages and the advantages to that, she realized that actually had more disadvantages to it at this point in his development. And so she opted for the first one, number one, is to hear his argument out, but then continue to have him do the chore. So what is fascinating about this is she combined options one and two because they just made better sense and she eliminated the one that she thought she wanted at the beginning by realizing that it wouldn't work in this state. 
Now, down the road, when he becomes a teenager, will that be more effective when he's able to control his emotions better? Possibly. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're doing a soda, you want to keep that in mind. This is for now in this specific moment for this specific situation, but it may change six months from now. It may change a week from now. So anytime you're faced with a difficult situation, you want to lean back on the SOTAS method to resolve how you're going to address the situation. So Ashana, we worked through this process. She decided she was going to listen to her son, let him express himself, be warm and accepting of his arguments, and then still have him complete the task. So that way that her son, Dylan, would feel he was being listened to, as well as mom following through with consequences and rewards if he were to follow through with the task. So it's an interesting skill. A lot of people dismiss it as being, it's very simple, but it is so profound. I usually, when I work with families, have them use this method by planning a vacation together because that's something fun that families can do but it also helps them start communicating about interests and about things that they like and it helps the children understand the process of making effective decisions so any situation where you're feeling trapped or stuck use the sodas method anytime your child is feeling stuck in a situation you can use the sodas method with them. And in fact, I've had parents sit down with their children and work out what the consequences are for their behaviors by using the sodas method. So here's the situation. You broke this rule. What are the options? And what are the disadvantages, advantages? And as they work through the process, the kids are able to see, okay, my parents are processing this information in a very concrete way and coming up with a solution and not just reacting, you know, not just overreacting. And it also helps the children understand why parents come to the conclusions that they do. So it's a very powerful skill. Now, we've talked about the labeling of uh, diagnoses, you know, ADHD. I am a fan of children going in and getting a diagnosis if there is a behavioral issue because I think the signpost is very helpful for parents but I do want to caution parents into understanding that once you get the signpost, the work starts then. That's when the work starts in how you're going to address the behaviors. And I want to tell parents, don't be overwhelmed with the, you know, tons of information that you can find about a diagnosis. If you focus on the behaviors of your child, focus on those behaviors their strengths and ways that you can change those behaviors, you're going to be better off than uh, being stuck in a cookie cutter like approach to working through issues. Now, there are effective treatments, and obviously, working with a professional, they'll help tailor that for your child's needs. But for parents who are trying to figure it out and trying to work on it on a daily basis, Focus on the behaviors. Focus on the behaviors that you're seeing and ways to help shape and change and teach to your child to be more effective. So we've covered everything in this podcast. We've talked about the diagnosis, then what? Uh, we talked about why a diagnosis can be problematic at times. And then I wanted you to focus on the behaviors and use the skill of sodas to address these issues more effectively. 
So that's your challenge this week, everyone. I want you to use the sodas method. Use it in anything that you need to do and have your child witness you doing it. Even if it's just, okay, we're going to go to the store. This is what we're going to do. Uh, What are my options? Have your child see you process information like this because as you model this behavior, your child is going to see that and they're going to begin to understand how to make more effective decisions. I'm super excited for you. I know you're going to do great. That's it for me for this week. I will see you again next week. So many great things happening with Smarter Parenting. And uh, you'll be informed about those things in the near future. So keep tuning in and share this podcast. If you could leave us a rating, that would be fantastic if it's been helpful for you. And if it's uh, something that you feel like a friend could use, share it with them. We're here to help all parents. So you have a hard task ahead of you and we're here to help. That's it for me, and I will talk to you again later. Bye.